Greetings, Nexus Church family online. Thank you so much for joining us. And if you are a first-time listener today or viewer, it's an honor that you would join us. And we are so excited for what God has for us today in our worship service. Today we will begin with one song to prepare us for the message that will be delivered. And then we will close down the service with a song of reflection And so we will open up today in a word of prayer, and then we will go right into our worship set. Father, thank you so much for today. I thank you for those who are listening, Father. I pray that you will speak to their minds and their hearts, God, that you will be right now preparing them, God, for what you have. And I thank you, God, that you're a living God. You're a God that cares. You're a God that loves each and every one of us. And so as we go into this time of worship, as we sing this song, may you be glorified and may you do a great work in each viewer's lives. In Jesus' name. church family. Well, today is a very exciting day, and uh, it is my pleasure that today I get to allow my son to share with you today. But before he comes up here and shares the, the message today and his testimony and what God has done in his life, 
I want to share with you why I believe it is crucial for our church, or honestly, the church in general, to embrace giving our young students an opportunity to bring a piece of God's kingdom to others, to help make a difference in our world. In fact, I believe it is God's plan for us as a church community to create a way for this generation to take what God has begun with us and the generations before us to go bigger, better, and stronger. And so this begins in a story that I honestly have always been intrigued with, going back to the Old Testament, where we read of Elijah and Elisha. Now, these guys were prophets. What are prophets? They were, in essence, a a spokesman for God to His people, right? They weren't really necessarily a pastor, although they had pastoral-type roles, But predominantly, when God spoke to them, they spoke to God's people about what His heart for them was. Many times, it was a warning, right? But sometimes it was a word of of encouragement or challenging to His people. And so, Elijah was one of these men, uh, a mighty man. And if you know any of the story of Elijah, he was a powerful man of God that spoke against some really big evils in his time. Well, his time was coming to an end. He had done his work. He had done some pretty awesome things. And God spoke to him to go and anoint some people. Now, anointing is just a special way of signifying God's selection or setting them apart for a work. Now, he anointed a king and he anointed his successor, which happened to have a name very similar to his, and that was Elisha. And so we pick up this story in 1 Kings 19, verses 19 through 21, where we read, Elijah went and found Elisha, son of Shaphat, plowing a field. There were 12 teams of oxen in the field, and Elisha was plowing with the 12th team. Elijah went over to him and threw his cloak across his shoulders and walked away. Now, this was signifying that you are now to become my follower. You're to be my successor, that throwing of the coat over him. And then Elisha left the oxen standing there and ran after Elijah. He knew what this meant. And he said to him, first, before I come follow you and leave everything, right? Like he was doing a pretty successful business. He said, first, let me go and kiss my father and mother goodbye, and then I will go with you. Elijah replied, go on back, but think about what I have done to you. Like, this is a serious call. This isn't something that you just walk away from and think I'll come back to someday. No, this is a lifestyle change, and you are leaving this all behind, right? So Elisha returned to his oxen and slaughtered them. He used the wood from the plow to build a fire and roast their flesh. He passed around the meat to the townspeople, and they all ate. Then he went with Elijah as his assistant, right? So now you have Elisha following Elijah around, watching all the things that he did, how he spoke to the people, how he performed these miracles, how he did life as a prophet, a mighty man of God. So God was working. Elisha responded to the call. He knew what he was doing, and he was obedient. After Elijah prepared and empowered Elisha, it came time for him to move on, to go to be with God. And we pick up this story now in 2 Kings Chapter 2, verses 5 through 5, or 15, easy for me to say. And we see how 
God is going to do kind of a crazy thing. This isn't something that you read very often of in the Bible. Uh, We read a lot of miracles and a lot of interesting things, but not too often where we see a person depart from this world to another world right before our eyes as we read. But that's exactly what happens to Elijah in this story, is he is telling Elisha over and over, I'm about to go to be with God. I'm, I'm leaving this earth, and so don't follow me. This is just my time to leave. But Elisha keeps telling him, I'm going. I'm coming with you until you go home. I'm going to be by your side because that's what I promised to. And so in verse 5 of 2 Kings 2, we read, Then a group of prophets from Jericho came to Elisha and asked him, Did you know that the Lord is going to take your master away from you today? And Elisha's like, Of course I know. We've already established that. And so be quiet about it. Then Elijah said to Elisha, Again, here we go, Stay here, for the Lord has told me to go to the Jordan River. But again, like this isn't the first time Elisha replied, as surely as the Lord lives and you yourself live, I will never leave you. So they went on together. Fifty men from the group of prophets also went and watched from a distance as Elijah and Elisha stopped beside the Jordan River. There was an impasse. There's a river. He was going to be with God, and so he had to go further. Then Elijah folded his cloak together and struck the water with it. The river divided, and the two of them went across on the dry ground. When they came to the other side, Elijah said to Elisha, Tell me what I can do for you before I'm taken away. And Elisha replied, Here it is. Please let me inherit a double share of your spirit and become your successor. This was already established, right? Like when... When Elijah placed that cloak on top of Elisha, he knew that he was going to be his successor. But he asked for something more. He asked for a double portion. He asked for not just his blessing, but twice as much. And so Elijah replies, You have asked a difficult thing. If you see me when I am taken from you, then you will get your request. But if not, then you won't. And as they were walking along and talking, suddenly a chariot of fire appeared, drawn by horses of fire. It drove between the two men, separating them, and Elijah was carried away by a whirlwind into heaven. Elisha saw it and cried out, My father, my father, I see the chariots and the charioteers of Israel. And as they disappeared from sight, Elisha tore his clothes in distress. Elisha picked up Elijah's cloak which had fallen when he was taken up. Then Elisha returned to the bank of the Jordan River. He struck the water with Elijah's cloak and cried out, Where is the Lord, the God of Elijah? Here's the sticking point, right? What's going to happen? Did he get to keep that double portion or did it pass from him? Then the river divided and Elisha went across. When the group of prophets from Jericho saw from a distance what happened, they exclaimed, Elijah's spirit rests upon Elisha. And they went to him and bowed to the ground before him. You see, there was an interesting blessing that is going through this story. First of all, Elisha already knew, like I had mentioned, that that the blessing was on him. However... He didn't know if he would truly get it or not. And so Elijah makes that that beautiful proclamation. If you see them take me away, then you'll get what you ask. You see, Elijah did everything in his power. Okay, The, the, The bottom line of this story, if you take only one thing away, it is the fact that Elijah was obedient to what God called him to do, which is to pass the blessing down. He did it. Now, it was up to God whether or not God would give it. But Elijah did his part and passed down the blessing. He did everything he could to help Elisha have a bigger, better, and stronger ministry than he had. 
Unfortunately for Elisha, he didn't do the same thing. We read in 2 Kings 13, verses 14 through 21, that it came to be an end for Elisha as well. But he didn't have a follower like Elijah did. He didn't have a successor. And so he was going to pass down the blessing to the king, who was an evil man. He didn't have anything to pass it down to. And so we read in verse 14, when Elisha was in his last illness, King Jehoash of Israel visited him and wept over him. He said, my father, my father, I see the chariots and the charioteers of Israel. Same thing that Elisha said, right? He saw the time was coming and he was concerned, what's going to happen to my nation when the prophet of God is gone? What are we going to do? And so Elisha told him, this was Elisha's way of trying to fix that issue that Elijah passed down. Elisha tried to do it on his own. Listen to what he said. He said, get a bow and some arrows. And the king did as he was told. Elisha then told him, put your hand on the bow. And Elisha laid his own hands on the king's hands. Then he commanded, open the eastern window, and he opened it. Then he said, shoot. So he shot an arrow. Elisha proclaimed, this is the Lord's arrow, an arrow of victory over Aram, for you will completely conquer the Arameans at Aphek. Then he said, now pick up the other arrows and strike them against the ground. So the king picked them up and struck them on the ground three times. But the man of God, Elisha, was angry with him. You should have struck the ground five or six times, he exclaimed. Then you would have beaten Aram until it was entirely destroyed. Now you will be victorious only three times. That's not how Elijah passed down his blessing. Elijah gave Elisha full blessing. He, he was anointed. He gave him everything he had. He followed him. He received the gifts when Elijah went to be with God. All Elisha did was give him a victory over a king. Elisha had the power of God on him. And Elisha passes down just a battle cry of victory over one nation. Well, Elisha died and was buried. Groups of Moabite raiders used to invade the land each spring. Now, once when some of the Israelites were burying a man, they spied a band of these raiders. So they hastily threw the corpse into the tomb of Elisha and fled. Okay, so here's Elijah, dead. Elisha sitting there, dead. Bones. Only bones left, right? And so they throw this other guy who had died in there. But as soon as the body touched Elisha's bones, the dead man revived and jumped to his feet. That tells me one thing. Elisha still had the blessing of Elijah on him. It went with him to the grave. And that's a concern for me because I see that so often in the world around us, especially in the church. It is built around one man or one woman or one group of leaders. And when it's time for them to move on, there's nobody to carry it on. The blessing of God left with them. And that's not how God set it up. God set it up like he did with Elijah, passing that all the blessing. In fact, a double portion of blessing onto Elisha. That's how God set it up. In fact, Jesus had this in his own DNA. We read in John chapter 14, verses 8 and 14, where Jesus is, is speaking to his disciples after all these years, right? Three years of being with God, seeing his miracles, hearing his amazing messages, seeing the work of God. They ask Jesus, show us the Father and we will be satisfied. Like they still were confused about who Jesus is. It's crazy. Then in verse 9, Jesus replied, guys, get with it. Have I been with you all this time, and yet you still don't know who I am? What is wrong? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. The blessing of the Father was on Jesus, right? All of it. He carried with him. 
So he asked, why are you asking me to show him to you? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I speak are not my own. They're not from me, but my Father who lives in me does his work through me. Just believe that I am the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe because of the works you have seen me do. Right? He's like, would you just believe because of these miracles? These could be nothing but from God, the Father. And then he says this powerful, powerful statement that ties right in to what we read with Elijah passing down the blessing to Elisha. Listen to this. He says, I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done. And even greater works, right? The double blessing factor. Jesus wants us to do more than him. That's mind-blowing. And when we read that so often, we just blow past it. Like, that just doesn't make sense. We can't figure that out. That's not for us to understand today, right? God's ways are just bigger than ours. But I think there's some truth behind it. There really is. Because this is how God has set it up. He has set it up that we pass down blessings, to those who are coming up underneath us. Verse 13 says, You can ask for anything in my name and I will do it so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. That's what a blessing does. A blessing isn't for those who are coming up underneath it, beneath us in ministry. It's ultimately for us and really for God himself. When the blessing continues to grow, continues to get better and stronger as it goes down generations, it builds up God's kingdom. It makes it stronger. And I don't know about you, but if you've ever left a blessing before for somebody else or, or you see somebody who's come up underneath you in, in a job or in ministry, whatever it might be, and they do a better job than you, that brings a ton of pride. Right? And that's what Jesus is saying here. So that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask anything for my name and I will do it. Quite honestly, what parent doesn't want to see their kid succeed? Who doesn't want that? This is exactly what the Father is doing here. He passed down the blessing to Jesus and Jesus passed down the blessing to us through the Holy Spirit. That power is available for us today, and his desire is that we would even do more, which just blows my mind. He desires for us to be bigger, to be stronger, to, to grow his kingdom. In fact, we read in Acts 2, 17 and 19 after the Holy Spirit's been poured out, right? The Holy Spirit was finally given. They've been waiting, waiting, waiting for that gift of the Holy Spirit to be poured out. And then, of course, there's all these, these people saying different things about what that meant and that they were just mocking them. And then Peter gets up and he says, in the last days, God says, I'm, I was going to do this. Like, this is going back to the book of Joel when Joel was saying, this is coming, this is coming, this is coming. Get ready. I'm going to pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and your daughters are going to prophesy. Your men, young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I will pour out my spirit even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will all prophesy. There will be massive, awesome things happening through the power of the Holy Spirit coming down so the kingdom of God can become bigger, better, and stronger. And I will cause wonders in heavens and signs above and signs on the earth below so that, here it is in verse 19, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. God sent his spirit to empower us so that we could do a mighty work, so that we could be bigger and better and stronger. And I believe that we will see a great revival that we keep praying about. I believe we'll even see a great awakening, which is just a massive move upon all people when we 
Likewise, just like the Father did to the Son, the Son did to us, when we follow that pattern and pass down the blessing to the generation coming under us. Much like what Malachi says in 4 verses 5 and 6, look, I'm sending you the prophet Elijah. It's already come, right? He's already come. John the Baptist was known as the Elijah that was preparing the way for Jesus, right? So this has already happened. This has already been kick-started, if you will. And his preaching will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers. We are called. We are called to influence and elevate the next generation so that they can rise up and do a mighty work. And that's why I believe that we must give them an opportunity to step out and to try things when they may not even be ready, when, when people might not even think that they have that in them. And so today, we're going to do that. We're going to have the next generation come up and share with you. I wanted to share this with you because I want you to have the ears open because I believe that the words that are spoken don't have to be from somebody who has all the education and wisdom of years behind them. God uses all ages because His Holy Spirit is no respecter of age. And so with that today, I'm going to have my son come up and share with you today's message and what God spoke to him and how he's been using him. So with that, son, God has empowered you to make this bigger, better, and stronger. Thank you, Dad. Uh, so I struggled with a lot of jealousy, and it was not pretty. It was... It, it really just showed how much thoughts went on in my head. Like, I had a lot of circling thoughts in my head at one point in my life, and they were not bright thoughts. And, you know, we all, we all have those thoughts, but we don't speak it out because there's always that part of us that just wants to make sure that we don't offend anyone. And I did not do that. I, like I said, struggled with jealousy. I did not treat my sisters nicely. I experienced, so I like to think it all started with um, a time that something unfair happened to me. Um, a family member told me something that like, you can't get this. But then I'm like, oh, okay, I know. And then I see them let my sister get it. And that was a spark. And then there were many after that. So another thing that really sparked it for me was when people would copy me. So I did not treat my sisters fairly, and I had a lot of hate on them, and specifically on my little sister, Eliana, I was just so annoyed by her. And I mean, if you have a sibling, I'm sure you get annoyed with them. You have to admit it. And I just hated her so much you could just tell that there was just a burning passion of hate and so a story that of a time that I got really upset with Eliana was when I wrote a song so I wrote a song because I don't know I just felt like it I I thought that hey, let's try this out. So I walk up to my mom and I'm like, hey, can I sing for our family? And so I do. You know, my mom sits down, my sister sits down, uh, my 
dad sits down. You know, they all sit down on a couch, and they listen to me sing. And before I sung, I explained, so this is what inspired me to write it, and blah, blah, blah. And then I do, and then I sing my song, and then what happens is, guess what? I see my little sister go grab a purple marker and a piece of paper, and she goes, and she gets on the floor, and she starts scribbling on it. And I walk up to her, and I ask, well, what are you, what are you doing? And she said, I'm writing a song. And I get upset, like, you don't know how to write a song. You can't read. And why? And I get so mad at her that I tell my mom, I get upset, and then she goes up, not like three seconds after she scribbled on that paper, because she was three at the time. That's what three-year-olds do. That's just her being little. And she was looking up to me. And I was just discouraging it. So she starts talking. This is what inspired me to make... So what inspired me to make this song is... And she just started mumbling because... She didn't know what to say. But I got really mad. I went down to my room, and I was stressed out. Yeah, so that was not fun. Uh, if there was ever a situation when something was unfair, I'd get very upset. Like, that would be the entire thing. And my mom would always ask me, well, what would make you happy? And I'd always reply, well, if everything was fair. But I like to believe that it wouldn't be if everything was fair. It would just be that we get the same amount or I get more. And I felt bad about it. I felt guilty. And what, what happened once all these events happened is it started to build a personality. It started building a new character. Instead of being this little, I don't know, goofy kid, I turned into, well, a pretty disrespectful one. I got into a lot of arguments. I screamed. I yelled. I, well, I think you get the picture. And I think you already guessed by now. I yelled at Eliana. Surprise, surprise. Uh, but then comes school, and I don't know if you've been to school, but when you're at school, you act a little differently than you would at home. You act a little nicer towards them, and I did the same. A lot of kids were like, wow, Liam, you're so nice. Liam, you're great. And I was like, thank you. And then I get home, and it's back to yelling and screaming. And I didn't tell anyone at school because I was I would be embarrassed and I wouldn't have any friends. That's what I thought. And I kind of lied to myself a little bit. And then with all of this personality building up over a few years, I started to look down upon myself because I knew it was bad. There was always that part of me that was like, you can't do this. This is wrong. Stop it. It's, there was always a part of me that said no, but I never changed. I never stopped being disrespectful to my mom, to my dad, to my sister. I never stopped, and that led to problems. That led to me looking down upon myself. And before you knew it, I was beating myself up emotionally, not physically, but emotionally. And it tore me down to the point where I got in one of the biggest fights of my life, one of the biggest arguments. It was about me, me and my older sister, Sophia. We were talking over by our dock because we have a dock. And, you know... I don't know what it was, but she knew that I knew what I was doing was wrong, and I knew that she knew that. 
And so we were getting into an argument of how I treated Eliana, of how I was, and she starts crying because she was really sad and really upset about of how I treated her and my family. She just was so sad because my sister is really nice and she just wants everyone to be happy and safe. And I hurt her. I broke her at that moment. She went, o she went away for a little bit and that just left me alone. I sit down on the dock and I start thinking, I start just crying. I just start thinking of how I'm so, I feel so bad. <laughs> She's wrong. I, I should have won. But then there's always that part of me that's like, made her feel bad. And then she's upset, and I don't want to hurt her feelings. But I don't want to be mean to Eliana either, and I don't want to be this way. I don't want to have a tone towards my mom. And then there was that part of me that prayed, because what this was when I was a little younger. It was only like a year or two ago that this happened. And so I had gone my entire life watching my dad preach. I had gone my entire life praying every night, praying before dinner. And I had learned of who God was. And so I prayed because I just didn't know what else to do. And I cry out for help. And there's this part of me that realizes the entire, my entire self, there's not just one part. It's my entire body that says, this is wrong. I need to go fix this, and I need to stop being a jerk. I need to start listening to my mom, not giving her a tone, listening to my dad, not treating my little sister this way. Because there was just that part and I instant and I know that it was God. God helped me realize who I was and who I was in that moment and what I was doing. So I went and I apologized to my mom when she got back from a trip. I apologized to my dad, my sister Sophia once I found her, and my little sister Eliana. I apologize to her for how I've been, and I apologize to all of them. And I went throughout my day with satisfaction. And then I, when, when my mom got back the next day, I said earlier that I apologized to her. But then it, it didn't happen right away. It was a slow process that I had to be willing to take on. I had to be willing to go with it. It wasn't just, I needed to be a part of it. I needed to help the change. Um, so then what happened is I still gave my mom and dad tones when they told me to do stuff. I still got upset with Ellie, and I still got into fights with Sophia. But it wasn't as worse. And Throughout time, I grew, and it was better, and now I'm not as bad as I was. I don't get into as much fights. I don't, I, I don't know when the last time I even got in an argument was. I don't, I'm not as disrespectful to my little sister. I, I treat her like a sister, and since we're we're not all perfect, and an example of that is when I, uh, the other day, this was like a couple weeks ago, uh, we were out on a nice walk, my dad and my sisters, and I have, a little, I have a really little sister, Kaya, she's in preschool, and so, you know, we're all on our scooters, me and my sisters, and we're just racing, and... We wanted, I wanted Kaya to win because she's younger and I knew that she'd feel happy if she did. And so me and my sisters were racing and I purposefully block Eliana's scooter so then Kaya can get to the spot. And 
she got really upset. She went all the way back to our house. So I went and I apologized. And that's just a symbol that we're not perfect, but that doesn't mean God didn't change me. I treat things with my attitude. My attitude towards things is better. When I see something unfair happen with my sister, when I see it, when I notice it, I, I feel that part of me that's broken, but the majority of me wants to make sure that my sister is happy and know that not everything's going to be fair in life. I'm going to experience way more things. I'm not even... I'm not even halfway through my life. I'm nowhere near done. And that's the thing. I'm going to experience more things that are going to hurt, that are worse than what I experienced, but I'll handle them better. And God can do the same for you. If you are struggling, if you know that, yeah, I'm, I'm not perfect, or if you have a problem, anything God can help you with. You have to be willing to cooperate, though, with what he wants you to do. It's not always going to be easy to fix your problems. There are problems that are way worse than mine, in my case, and are going to be super hard to fix. But God does miracles, and he helps you. He can help you just like he helped me. I have grown a closer bond with God recently. I've been, I feel like I've been getting closer and closer. But I want you guys to know that God will help you and turn to him in your problems. But be patient. It's not going to happen right away. You're going to have to sit there. You might sit there for an hour, two hours, three hours, however long, but never give up hope. Because to God, if you're waiting for a response from him in any format, it could be just a vision or an image pops into your head or you actually hear him out loud. That's probably not going to happen, but you will get a sign from God that he's there. He'll help you through it. He'll work inside of you. But the longer you wait, the more that shows to God that you're being patient and that makes him help you in better ways. And God's amazing. He does that. I've seen him do plenty of miracles. Uh, my mom has a friend, and she had cancer when my mom first met her. And that was a big problem because we, don't, we haven't found the cure to cancer yet, and millions of people suffer from it. So she gets cancer, and a lot of people prayed for her. <coughs> and so she started hanging out with my mom more. They became closer and closer friends, and they're really good friends now. And she got healed. She survived cancer, which is a deadly sickness, and that's cool. God helped her through that, and he can help you through anything. It doesn't have to be if you aren't perfect. It doesn't have to be if you are sick. It doesn't have to be anything specific. Just anything. He can help you with anything. It's nothing is impossible with God. Nothing. He can heal cancer. He can heal anything. He can heal you emotionally. He can help you realize who you are and what you're doing. I think he could even help you if you're if you have I don't know, COVID. That's the one thing that's going to get you through life is God. He changed me. He can change you. So, really, what 
do you do to ask God to help you? You pray. And as we're closing down and going to get into our last song, I want to pray for all of you, anyone that hears this. It doesn't matter if you're the person watching. You could be someone who's in another room and just overhears this or is walking in the kitchen to get a drink of water and you notice that your family member is watching this and you hear me talking and you hear me about to pray. I'm praying for all of you, anyone that sees it. It doesn't matter if it's a million years from now or a thousand miles away. It doesn't matter. And so well, we are going to pray. And I want you to know that any church that you have in your town is a great place to go to if you need if you want seeking. People are there to help you. And I think that no one will judge you if you go to a church asking for help. If you came to my church and you started asking my dad to pray for you, he would gladly do it because he knows that there are people that need help and he knows what God can do. So you pray on your own. You pray with your friends, your family, a pastor, anyone. But I'm going to pray for you right now. Father God, please help all the people at home right now that are struggling, whether it's a family member that is sick, whether it's uh, a friend that needs help, anything that's bothering them, anything that's on their heart and tugging them, anything that ruins their day, God, I pray that you will do miracles upon everyone watching this. Everyone, God, please do miracles better than what we see now. Do miracles like never before. Do miracles help these people. Father God. Thank you so much for being here for us and being there for them. And I pray that you will help them know that you are always there for them and that you will never leave them and never let them go. So, in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us uh, on Nexus Church on online, and we will see you next week. Amen.